Well, good morning. Today we are uh, continuing our sermon series we started a, a couple of weeks ago on before and after stories, stories of, of transformation. We, we all tend to gravitate towards those sorts of stories, whether it's the story of a, of a person who's exercised and dieted and lost a ton of weight or the person who um, comes from a rough background and all the odds are against them and they work hard and, and they catch a few breaks and, and they succeed in life. We, we all love these before and after stories, these stories of, of transformation. When we look at stories in the scripture before and after stories, um, it, it's also challenging. It's inspiring to us. It, it, it should cause us to ask the question, how has my relationship with Jesus Christ made a difference in my life? Am I growing? Am I changing? Am I different now than I was, say, a year or two or ten or however many years ago it's been since you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And do people see a difference because of Jesus in my life? So far, we've looked at the story, a couple different stories. We looked at the story of, of Saul. Uh, we saw that he, before he met Christ, was a religious zealot who persecuted Christians and mocked Christ and his followers. He meets Christ on the road to Damascus. His whole life has changed, his character, his priorities. And he's used of God to be an apostle, to write letters to the church that we have in our scriptures, to plant churches, to be an encouragement to, to us today. We looked at the story of Job, a, a righteous man who encounters some just some horrible, horrific things. In the blink of an eye, his, everything is taken away from him. And we watched his progression with God, his encounter with God, his conversation with God. And, and at, at the end of his story, he, he has changed. He's a different person. He has a different understanding and perspective of who God is and what God's all about. Well, today, obviously, we're coming to the story of, of Moses. And sometimes uh, in, when, we, when we look at biblical characters, we start with a, a sort of mental picture we have of them. And sometimes... That's helpful and sometimes not so much. Uh, for, for instance, with Moses, uh, when you think of Moses, people think of two, often think of two things. Either the Prince of Egypt, you know, the, the animated cartoon movie, or, or the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. For me, when I hear the name Moses, I think of Charlton Heston. You know, big, good-looking guy, deep voice, confronts Pharaoh, fearless leader. Now, all that sort of... The thinking is, is harmless enough, but sometimes our, our preconceived ideas or images of, of who these people are in the scriptures can get in the way of reality. I mean, the Moses that we think of is this courageous leader who leads the people of Israel across the Red Sea, who stands up to Pharaoh, who receives the Ten Commandments, who speaks to God face to face. He's included in, the, in, in Hebrews 11, the, the Faith Hall of Fame, for goodness sakes. He truly was a, a mighty man of faith. But there's another side of the story. There's a before and after reality. Because remember, back in the beginning, Moses was anything but a hero of the faith. We just read the story of the, of the burning bush and how God, uh, paraphrasing, speaks to Moses and says, I've got a big job for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh, tell him to let my people go, and then lead them to the promised land. The problem, however, is Moses doesn't want any part of this. And Moses has two basic objections to God's plan for him. Number one, he does not want to mess with Pharaoh. Remember his backstory? He was raised in Pharaoh's palace, raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And so he's been around all the trappings of royalty. He's seen all the resources Pharaoh has. He, he's seen uh, his, his power. Um, he's the leader of the, the largest and most impressive and influential kingdom in, in the known world. 
He's seen, perhaps, I'm sure, how he's responded ruthlessly to those who opposed him. So Moses doesn't want any part of Pharaoh. Secondly, number two, he doesn't think the people of Israel will follow him. He, he has a, a lack of confidence. Again, you go back to a little bit of his early life. Remember the story? He, uh, he's a young man, and he's out traveling around, and, and he comes across a, an Egyptian slave trader or slave driver who is whipping and, and, and beating uh, one of his fellow Hebrews. And, and Moses intervenes. He breaks up the fight, and he ends up beating the, the Egyptian to death. And he hides the man, his body, in the sand. And then a, a little bit later, uh, he comes across two Hebrews who are arguing and fighting. He, he steps in to, to break up the fight. And instead of thanking for what he did earlier to save the one man from the Egyptian, they turn on him and say, what are you going to do? You're going you're to kill us and bury our bodies in the sand as well? So, so Pharaoh, his second objection is he doesn't think they're going to, they're going to follow him. And then we pick up the story in chapter 4, <coughs> where we find a little bit more insight into Moses' reasons for not thinking he can do this. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Understandable reaction. Okay. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into a staff in his hands. This, said the Lord, is so that they believe talking about the people of Israel, so that they believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then Moses said, then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was re- leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. And Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. You know, isn't it fascinating how Moses begins with what if? He begins with objections. I mean, he has just taken a staff, thrown it on the ground, seen it turn into a snake. Then he's reached down and picked it up. It became a staff again. And God says, this is a sign to you. I'll do this. I'll do this. Just to show you, to prove it to you. He does the leprous hand thing. And Moses says, don't send me. I I don't want to go. Now, isn't it fascinating how we like to bargain with God? It seems to be a human response in so many cases where we tend to question God's motives or we question his ability to, to do in us and through us what he says he will. Just to paraphrase Moses here or maybe to apply it to our own situation, it would be like saying, Lord, what if I, what if I speak up for you and share my faith at the office or, or in the classroom? 
What if I get in trouble for that? What are you going to do then? Or what if I, I volunteer? They need volunteers in the youth or children's area. What if I volunteer and, and the, questions ask, the kids ask questions I can't answer? Or I, I lose control of the classroom? What then? Or, or, or what about, Lord, you want me to be generous with my resources? What if, I, what if I am generous with my resources and I can't make my car payment? Or, Lord, what about my time? What if I, what if I take my vacation next summer and I volunteer at camp or I go to the mission field? What, what if I can't handle What if I need that time later? You see, Moses had the same problem that we all have. He understood exactly what God wants him to do. It's not a lack of knowledge. It's not a lack of clarity. God's very clear. You're the guy to lead my people out of Egypt. That's the job description. Moses' problem wasn't knowledge. His problem wasn't, his problem wasn't education. It wasn't his family background. Moses' problem was fear. A lack of trust. A lack of faith in God to do what he said he would do. So he begins with, God, what if, what if Pharaoh throws me to the crocodiles? What if the children of Israel laugh at me? Moses wanted perfect assurance of the end result before he took the first step. He wanted to know that everything would work out in the end if he did what God wanted him to do. And so he's out there by this burning bush and he's, even though he's seen a bush burning but not being consumed, even though he hears the voice of the Lord, even though he's turned a, a snake into a staff and, and vice versa, even though he's had leprosy and then is gone, he's trying to what if God to death. And we can tend to do the same thing. We, we can qualify our obedience with a demand that God will guarantee our success. Or at least that we'll know where the potholes are on the road if it's a hard road. We try to what if the Almighty. So God, so Moses gives God a what if, and God then gives him an object lesson. He does the snake, the staff thing. He does the leprosy hand thing. And it's interesting that God doesn't bother to answer Moses' question. You see, God knows that the issue really isn't isn't, the, isn't, isn't what, the what ifs. It, it's really that, that Moses is trying to negotiate with him. And as long as you're saying what if, you're not obeying. There's a big difference between negotiating with God and, and stepping out in faith and obedience. Now, there's a couple of things that might help us to understand this whole, these, these miracles here. Number one is that snakes represented power and life to the Egyptians. If you study the culture at all, snakes are a pretty big part of it. Number two is that snake charming was a big business in ancient Egypt. The snake charmers had apparently perfected this ability to, to make a snake go rigid by grasping it at the nape of the neck. And so God is, is equipping Moses ahead of time to defeat the snake charmers at their own game. God is making the point that that he is greater than all the power and all the tricks and all the magic of Egypt. But there's even a greater point. It says this in verse 5. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. The message is, is crystal clear. 
if you obey, I'll take care of the rest. The people of Israel will know that I'm with you. That you're speaking on my behalf. Step out. Obey. Follow me. Which is really the central question that all of us have to ask or to answer, isn't it? Will I obey and will I trust God? When God calls us, when God speaks to us through His Word, when God speaks to us through our quiet time, when God speaks to us through a friend who gives us advice that's obviously from the Lord, will we obey or do we begin to negotiate? What ifing, stalling, putting off obeying, wanting to make sure that everything works out, that we know everything's going to work out before we move forward. Will we dare to say yes to God, even, even when it hurts, even when it might cramp our lifestyle? Even when it might mean changing the way we act or think, our priorities, the places we go, the people we hang with? Will we dare to say to the Lord, yes, I will go. Here am I, send me. Once we obey, God will always give us what we need. Notice I didn't say what we want, but he'll give us what we need to do the things he's called us to do. He did it for Moses, and he will do it for us. Jesus said this about our priorities in the Sermon on the Mount. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And so what God says to Moses and what Jesus says to the disciples is the same word that he says to us this morning. We put his kingdom, his righteousness, his priorities, his call first in our lives. Will the things that matter most to God be the things that matter most to us? Jesus said this in John 3, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so if God holds nothing back, and gives what is dearest to him for our sake, what will we give for the sake of God's kingdom and for the sake of the people around us created in his image? Will we give our resources, our time, our money? Will we make sacrifices? Will we spend time with those who don't know the Lord intentionally? Will we give a year or two or maybe 30 years in missions work? Will we go into vocational ministry? Will we give our sons or daughters to him? Trusting him with them? Now, I don't want to give the impression that Moses' change and transformation was instantaneous. It wasn't immediate. That's one of the reasons I like Moses, because I can relate to him. He's a little bit impulsive at times. Sometimes he's too cautious. He lacks confidence. Sometimes he's overconfident. Sometimes he takes things into his own hands instead of leaving them in God's. Like, for instance, you remember the story... He's in the desert with the people. They've gone through the Red Sea. They've had several miracles, manna from heaven, all these things. And they need water. And God says, gather the people around and speak to that rock and water will flow from it. Remember what Moses does? He does it different. He, does, he just hits it with his staff two times. Water comes out. He, he still struggles with a lack of faith in God. He still thinks that maybe God needs his help here. Though he's made a lot of progress, though he and God have been through a lot together, seen great victories, seen wonderful miracles, he's experienced God's provision and leading uh, through the tower, uh, the, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud.
But he still struggles with some of the same old instincts and the same old things. Like you and I do. Moses is still a work in progress when we see him. He's not what he wants to be, but he's not what he used to be. God is at work redeeming and changing and transforming him just like he does with you and me. God called Moses to trust him. And so the question I want to leave with you today is, in what areas of your life is God calling you to trust him more? Maybe it's your marriage or your children. Maybe it's your work, your financial security, your health. Maybe it's your future. But in what areas is God calling you to trust him more? Will we move from fear to faith? Will we stop what ifing? Stop negotiating with God? And will we start actively obeying Him? When we answer these questions with a determined yes, then we will see real change, lasting transformation. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the example of Moses, an imperfect man who made many mistakes, but was also used greatly of You. A man who, through the course of his life, grew to, to trust you more and to be shaped more and more by you. Father, help us to take his example and, and to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, where do you want me to change? Where do you want to do your transforming work, Lord? Where can I trust you more? Lord, I pray that, that our story would be a story of, of change and transformation that people would notice a difference about us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And that others would be brought to faith in Him. We offer ourselves to You, Lord Jesus, in Your name, asking that Your Spirit would continue to work in us to bring to completion the work, the process You've begun in us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.